Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Now, the God of peace has emphasized peace throughout His Word. There's over 400 direct references to peace and numerous more indirect ones. The narration of the Bible opens with peace in the Garden of Eden and it closes with peace in eternity. And there's no peace now for two reasons. Number one, the opposition of Satan. And number two, the disobedience of man. Physical peace, one of the most elusive experiences on this planet, but peace of mind. Now that's a different issue, and we're going to hear more about that as Pastor Leighton Sheely takes us into the book of Matthew on this edition of Study Verse by Verse. This is an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. I'm Mike Trout. So glad you've joined us today. We'll spend uh, two broadcasts talking about Blessed are the Peacemakers. Here's Pastor Leighton. I'm going to invite you now to take your Bibles and open to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9. By means of introduction, the book of Matthew was written by the apostle of the same name. It was written primarily for a Jewish audience. It was written after the life of Christ. And you'll recall that the Jews generally rejected Jesus as being the promised Messiah. He didn't come as they expected him to. He didn't come as a great military conqueror or political leader. He was born in a manger. And uh, he, he just wasn't up to their expectations. And so they rejected him. And so what Matthew does... In the first four chapters of his book is he introduces Jesus as the Messiah, as the fulfillment of the messianic prophecies. And that's why you'll find time and again in these, in these verses in, in chapters 1 through 4 a phrase something like, in fulfillment of, and a reference to an Old Testament passage that was recognized by the Jews as being messianic. Jesus actually fulfilled well over 300 clear messianic prophecies. Now, having introduced Jesus as the Messiah in the first four chapters, now in chapter 5, Matthew has the king introduce his kingdom. And it's a kingdom unlike any other. It's not a kingdom of, of economic or political or military dimension. But I think one of my children's books has said it better than I've ever heard. God's kingdom is wherever God is king. Now, each one of these Beatitudes begins with the word makarios, which is translated blessed or happy or contented or joyful. That word blessed was used in classical Greek to describe uh, the mythological Greek gods who resided on Mount Olympus. And though they were surrounded by humanity, they were not affected by their surrounding humanity. They didn't suffer, they didn't die, they didn't have disease, and so forth. And so by using this particular term, Jesus uh, indicates to us that our contentedness, our joy, is not dependent upon our circumstances, that which is around us. You see, the world is totally dependent upon circumstance for joy. What is it that brings happiness? A new car, a new job, a new raise, a new friend, something that is external. But oftentimes I will know of the circumstances of Christians that are coming through and they're very difficult indeed, but you could never tell that 
based on the way they walk or the way they talk or the way they look because there's a, a happiness, a joy, a smile on their face, light in their eyes, a bounce in their step because their joy is not dependent upon their circumstances. Makarios are present tense. But in this particular case, in some cases, the results of blessed are the peacemakers is future, shall be called the sons of God. Now, how is it that we can be happy or contented now for something which we don't see or experience now? It's because we've placed our faith in the one who promises, God, who never breaks his promise. God is not a man that he should lie. There's nothing that can surprise God that makes him think, well, maybe I shouldn't have made that promise. He knows everything. His promises are good. And so even now, we can take joy in something we do not yet experience. Present tense. Peacemakers. Now, this particular word we need to spend some time on because a lot of different people have different concept of what peace means. You see, if you were to use the word peace in the context of parents, it would probably mean knowing that their children are safe and healthy. If you were to use peace in the context of the family provider, it would probably have an image come up of having all of the bills paid and and having a little bit uh, left over. If you were to use the term uh, peace to a, a wife, it might just mean to her knowing that her husband is faithful and true. If you were to use the term peace to a father, it, it might uh, have the image of well-behaved children. If you were to use the word peace to an office manager, it would mean that the whole team is working together effectively. If you were to use the term peace for a businessman, it's having a stable economic environment in which to grow his business. By contrast, if you were to use the term peace to a stockbroker, it means having an unstable economic environment in which to take advantage of opportunities. Now, if you were to use the term peace to a teacher, the image that would probably first come to their mind is recess. And no recess duty. And so you see, the, the word peace means different things to different people at different times. And what our purpose is today is to find out what Jesus meant when he used that word in this which is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the God of peace has emphasized peace throughout his word. There's over 400 direct references to peace and numerous more indirect ones. The narration of the Bible opens with peace in the Garden of Eden and it closes with peace in eternity. Peace on earth was interrupted in the garden when man chose to sin, and at the cross, Jesus Christ has made peace a reality once again. Peace can now reign in the hearts of those who are His, and someday He will come as the Prince of Peace and establish a worldwide kingdom of peace, which will ultimately eventuate in the eternal age of peace. But peace does not characterize man's earthly existence, and there's no peace now for two reasons. Number one, the opposition of Satan. And number two, the disobedience of man. You see, Satan and man are engaged with God in a battle for sovereignty. And where there is a battle, there cannot be peace. 1968, a major newspaper reported that since the time of Christ, there have been 14,553 known wars. In the last 50 years, there's been over 70 wars and well over 200 uh, international acts of conflict. With all of the well-intentioned effort towards peace in our time, there would be very few who could actually believe or claim that the world is now more peaceful than it was 100 years ago. 
We do not have economic peace. We don't have religious peace. We don't have racial peace. Don't have social peace. We don't have family peace. We don't have personal peace. Seems to be no end of the marches and sit-ins and riots and wars and disagreement and conflict are the order of the day. More people have been killed by their own government in this century than in the previous 20 centuries all put together. More Christians have been martyred for their faith in this century than in any of the preceding centuries. No, this is not a, a world of peace. Nor does the world honor peace by its standards so much as it honors it by lip service. In virtually every era, the major heroes have been the great men of war. If I was to use the term peacemaker 100 years ago, it probably would not uh, give you the image of uh, Christians so much as it would a Colt 45 six-shooter, also known as the peacemaker. And a few years ago, if I would use the term peacemaker, it would have probably brought to your mind an ICBM, intercontinental ballistic missile, by the same name. The popular philosophy of this world is to put self first, but when you put self first, peace is last, because self precipitates strife and division and hatred and resentment and war. It's the great ally of sin, it's the great enemy of righteousness, and thereby also the enemy of peace. Now, the seventh beatitude calls us to be peacemakers. Jesus has called us to the special mission to help restore the peace that was lost at the fall. Now, the peace of which Christ speaks in this beatitude and which the rest of Scripture speaks is not like that that the world knows. If you were to try to encapsulate the, the definition of peace to the world, it would probably, the most universal definition of peace would be the absence of conflict. The absence of conflict. And this is pursued through intimidation and politics and police and military forces. But God's peace, and the peace of which the Bible speaks, it never evades issues. It never glosses over. It, hide, it never hides. It never rationalizes. It never excuses. It confronts sin. It confronts problems tries to solve them, and then tries to build bridges between those who were separated as a result of sin. And it often brings struggle and hurt and pain, anguish, because that's often the price of healing. It's the peace that God gives the world cannot take away. The essential fact to comprehend, to understand about this peace which Jesus is referring to here, is that it is not the absence of conflict but rather the presence of righteousness. It's not the absence of conflict. It's the presence of righteousness. Now, you see, only righteousness can produce a relationship that can actually bring two people together in love and harmony. Men can stop fighting without righteousness. They can run out of bullets or they can grow tired, but they cannot continue to live peaceably together outside of righteousness. Most that man's peace can offer is a temporary cessation of of hostilities, a a truce, if you will. But God's peace not only stops the hostilities, but it it settles the issues that that, uh, fester inside like a volcano. James confirms the nature of God's peace when he writes in 3.17, but the wisdom from above is first pure and then peaceable. You see, God's way to peace is through purity. And peace cannot be attained at the expense of righteousness. 
Two people cannot really be at peace until they recognize the sin and the behavior that has separated them. And they bring themselves together and they bring themselves to God for cleansing. Now Jesus says something a little later in Matthew chapter 10, 34 that would seem to conflict, but it really doesn't. He said, Do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now at first this might seem a total conflict with the calling that he has given us to be peacemakers. Yes, it does sound like a conflict, but as you might imagine, Pastor Layton will explain that on the next edition of Study Verse by Verse as we wrap up this two-part series on the Beatitude, Blessed are the Peacemakers. I'm Mike Trout, and this is an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. They're on the web at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. This particular ministry has a different website. It's studyversebyverse.com. You can contribute to the ministry. Help us continue on the radio stations that uh, share this broadcast by joining us financially. You can give safely when you go to that website. Again, it's study versebyverse.com. You can also listen again to any of the broadcasts we've aired and will air in the future. Enjoy the rest of your day and uh, join us tomorrow when we'll open the Word of God once again to the book of Matthew and study verse by verse.